Welcome if you're new. It's great to see you. My name's Nigel. I'm one of the leaders here. Um, we are in the middle of a series on prayer. Uh, hence, 24-7 prayer is smack bang in the middle of this series as we explore what is prayer, what does it mean to us, let's get more involved in it. And I have the, um, the delight this morning about, uh, of talking about fasting. Whoa, yes. And hungering after God. Let's broaden it out, okay? If you don't like the idea of fasting, but you will, hopefully, in a bit. Um, but hungering after God. Because, you know, if we're, uh, I think if we're anything, sometimes we're kind of a complacent people, aren't we? And we have it nice, and we have it comfortable. And when we look in the Bible, actually, we find it's full of people hungering after God. They get all sorts of things wrong. They get, make all sorts of mistakes. They trip up along the way, but they are passionate about God and seeing his purposes and seeing his kingdom break in. Amen? And so what I'd love to stir in us this morning is a hunger, not only to do some fasting and to use that as a way of pressing into God, but to be hungry for more of God and more of his kingdom in our lives. And that is part of the reason for setting a room aside and saying we're going to pray round the clock for a while because we know that we need more of God. Amen? We know that we've only scratched the surface and actually he's very good and he longs to be more involved in our lives. And that would do us a whole lot of good and it would do the communities in which we live and our nation a whole lot of good too. Amen? Do you believe that? And that's why we're going after him this week and that's why I want to talk to you about hungering after God. So, I think it is a key moment, really, for us. This is an important day for us today. And interestingly, Callum was just saying that um, we're going to be joining with other regions beyond churches in our family of churches on Wednesday when we gather. And we're going to be praying via a live link. So actually, Regions Beyond has been um, had a bit of a prayer thing going on through June, which has slightly passed us by, I have to confess. But actually, um, the churches around Regions Beyond have been being prayed for um, across the churches each day of the month of June. And as uh, God would have it, today is the day that all the regions beyond churches in our family are praying for Gateway Swindon. Would you believe that? Now, this is grace. We haven't actually organized praying for all the other churches. But hey, next time. But God is a God of grace. Regions Beyond is a family of churches that love grace, so we're okay, and I'm sure that they will still pray for us today. But I believe that actually in the humor of God, this is significant as we launch into praying, that actually the family of churches that we're part of is getting behind us and praying and prophesying and saying, God, will you break in on Gateway Swindon? And we say, amen, and thank you for praying for us. When I talk about fasting and hungering after God. I don't know what uh, that conjures up in you. I don't know what that makes you feel. Maybe uh, fasting is something that the uh, Old Testament people used to do, or that just old people do, maybe. You know, um, some, some of you who are a bit more experienced, a bit longer in the tooth, maybe you did fasting in your day. Maybe you still do. Um, Something that other religions do a lot of, maybe. Very religious thing to do. Very serious thing to do. Uh, those of us who are maybe a little bit over the top, you know, leaders. Uh, people who are a bit too serious about Christianity. Maybe something that they, they get into fasting. Very serious, um, somber thing, maybe. I, don't think, I think we have all sorts of ideas in our head when we think about fasting. 
And what I want to suggest to you today is that this is part of normal Christian life. This is part of pursuing God and actually a a hugely helpful tool in going after God and uh, declaring that we want more of him. Amen? So let me, let me justify why I think it's part of normal, um, normal, normal Christian life. And by the way, if we need a definition, do we know what fasting is? Um, I think we might have slightly, um, uh, I was going to say watered it down, maybe. We think it might be, you know, an hour off our phone might be fasting these days, could well be. Um, for some of us, that may be a bigger thing than others. Um, but listen, my definition of fasting um, not eating, okay, not eating food for a given designated period of time, okay? Not just between breakfast and lunch, but um, for a longer period, intentionally, because you want to go after God, not just because, you, you know, the cupboard was, wasn't full or you weren't hungry that day, but actually intentionally setting aside time to say, no, I'm not going to eat over this period because I'm going after something of God and I want more of him. So why do I say it's part of normal Christian life? Well, Jesus did it for a start, didn't he? At the beginning of his ministry. Now, I know you're going to say, well, I'm not Jesus. But clearly, when he talked about fasting, uh, Matthew 6, he said, when you fast, didn't he? He gave some instructions about how to do it. But when you fast, the implication of when being that it would be going on. Amen? Yeah, can we agree with that? And clearly he did fast right at the beginning of his ministry for a significant period of time and gives us one of the best, um, one of the most memorable lines in the Bible, which I love. When, fast, uh, when fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Yeah, I guess you probably would be. Matthew 4 verse 2. Okay, so Jesus, it was clearly part of his scope of thinking that, that his people would be fasting. But also, as we look through the New Testament, the New Testament church, clearly, uh, it, there's not m- that many occasions, but there's a significant points where important things were going on, where the church was clearly getting together and fasting. So let me give you an example, which is um, in Acts 13. Um, so this is at Antioch, a key moment in the advance of the gospel. So uh, at this point in Acts 13, the gospel was only down at the eastern end of the Mediterranean. And Antioch was a key church where um, Paul and some of the other key leaders were. And they were about to press out uh, through Turkey, Greece, into the rest of Europe. It was a very important moment. And uh, the Bible tells us this in Acts 13. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And from that point in Antioch, we get the breakthrough, uh, as I say, into the rest of Europe and the gospel goes out from there. But it was the church who were together praying and fasting at that significant moment. And there's other examples like that. Another one, Lystra. Iconium, Antioch, when Paul and Barnabas were working amongst those, earth, those new churches um, and appointing elders so that the church would be established. Another one, here we go, Acts 4. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. That's Acts 4, 23. So clearly in the early church, at significant moments of breakthrough or establishing or furthering the kingdom, then the church were getting together. And not only were they praying, but they were calling out to God and fasting as well. Okay? 
So Jesus, New Testament church. But then also when you go back in the rest of church history, and I want to give you an example from the history of this nation, when actually there was a call to the nation to pray and fast. So this was uh, 1756, and the king called for a day of solemn prayer and fasting because of the threatened invasion of the French. Some things never change in terms of where the issues are um, around the nation, but the king called for a day of solemn prayer and fasting. And this is what John Wesley records in his diary. The fast day was a glorious day, such as London um, has, sin, has scarce seen since the restoration. Every church in the city was more than full, and a solemn seriousness set on every face. Surely God heareth prayer, and there will be a lengthening of our tranquility. Great English, but that's John Wesley's diary. And the footnote um, after that is, humility was turned into national rejoicing for the threatened invasion by the French was averted as a result of this national day of prayer and fasting. So I think we need to maybe reclaim some of this history. Uh, Jesus, the New Testament church, but also in church history in our own nation. So I, my, my proposal to you is that praying and fasting, particularly at key moments, is part of normal Christian life. Okay? But why and what kind of fasting are we talking about? So to answer those questions, I want to go to Luke 5, um, where Jesus um, is answering a question uh, from the Pharisees and talking about fasting, and in fact, why his disciples aren't at that point fasting. But it gives us some interesting clues in what's going on in his mind. So this is Luke 5, uh, verse 33. Uh, this is the Pharisees, I think, talking to him. They said to him, John's disciples often, oh, I don't know actually who, it, no, maybe it isn't, but somebody saying to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. And in the message version, of that passage, it says, but you seem to spend most of your time at parties. Why? And Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. He told them this parable, no one tears a piece out of, an old, out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. So there's something going on where Jesus is saying, there was a kind of fasting that you Israelites did in the old times, in the Old Testament times, before he came along, which was very different. And right now, when Jesus is around, there is no reason for his, for his disciples to fast right then because Jesus, the Son of God, is amongst them. And something new, a new kingdom has broken in in Jesus Christ. So in the Old Testament, the people of God, they did fast. But generally, it was expressing sadness and mourning and desperation. It was about disaster or national calamity. Those were the moments where the people of Israel fasted. It was a sign of repentance for sin. 
And actually, what we see in the Old Testament, isn't it, that it just became part of the routine, part of the religious ritual that the people of God went through. So that towards the end, so that when you get prophets like Isaiah come along and they have to reprimand the people of God because their fasting has become empty. It's just a ritual. And, and, and the, Isaiah says to them, doesn't he, um, you know, I, you can stop that kind of fasting that is just empty. The kind of fasting I want is that you, that you don't exploit your workers, that you look after the poor, that you bless those who are in need. And actually, there was something that they'd lost in their religious ritual of fasting that was more important that God was looking for. So that, that was the Old Testament way of fasting, if you like. And Jesus says, look, I have come and I, am the, I, I represent something totally new. And so right now, amongst my disciples, you won't see fasting because I have the Son of God has come and new life has broken in because in Jesus, there is finally hope for the world. Amen. In Jesus is the promise of new life and life forever where we were dead in our sin. In Jesus breaking in is the possibility of sin forgiven, of grace, of favor, of the blessing of God, of relationship with God. So it's a moment of, in world history where there is great celebration. But Jesus says, but there will be fasting in the days ahead. They will fast, but it will be a different kind of fasting. Amen? So as the kingdom breaks in in Jesus Christ, when he's not amongst them again, his disciples will fast, but it won't look like anything like the Old Testament kind of sorrowful, desperate fasting. It's a new kind of fasting. So Jesus has in inaugurated a new era. And what characterizes this new type of hunger and fasting? Well, the first thing is this. It's more about who we are than what we do. Amen? So it's not about somehow trying to twist God's arm behind his back to make something happen. It's not that somehow we feel like we're going to somehow please God or satisfy him or make ourselves holy or get, get him to be, uh, in, to get ourselves in God's good books by doing something that is a religious ritual. It's none of that stuff. All that has already been accomplished in Christ. Amen. If we're in Christ, then everything has been done. We're sons of the living God. We're children of the kingdom. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing. Nothing more can be done for us. Amen. So key that we understand that, that as we go about spiritual disciplines, as we hunger after God, it's not because there's anything lacking in what Jesus has done. It's finished. We are acceptable to God. He approves of us. His favor is upon us. To, and we live in that age right now, which is why earlier I'm like, we should be celebrating Whatever's going on, new life has broken in on the old, and we are the recipients of it. Amen? Whatever is going on, we're blessed. We have a hope. We have a future. We have a relationship with the one from whom all good things come. That is done. So it's, it's, but when we fast, we're saying, God, we recognize that. We recognize that everything good comes from you. That there's nothing that is going to happen that is any use to us or our community or our nation that doesn't come from you breaking in. It's a declaration, if you like, of dependence on Jesus because of everything he's done. We can't accomplish anything more, but we're saying, God, we recognize we're so dependent on you. We recognize you've done everything, but we are passionate for more of you. 
We believe that we haven't yet seen everything that you want to do in our lives and in our communities. And so we're coming to you saying, we know we're dependent on you, but we long for you to break in more. We long to see more of your kingdom amongst us. We long to see more of your activity in our own lives because we know in our heart of hearts that's the only thing that will ever do us good, really. Amen? So at Jesus' baptism, we see a model of this kind of fasting that is about declaring our dependence on God. So let's just quickly read Matthew 3, um, 16, is it, through to 4, 4. Have you got that, John? As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. There he is. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So notice three quick things. You see, first, again, fasting at a key moment of breakthrough in the kingdom, just as Jesus is about to launch his public ministry, if you like. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. It's not about him pleasing God in any way. Before he starts, before he does any fasting, before he does any ministry, God says, I love you so much. I'm so pleased with you. You haven't done anything yet, but I love you. You're amazing. And that's the same thing he says to us. Every one of us here today, before you've done anything, whatever you think you might have done, if you're his this morning, if you put your life in his hands, then he says, son, daughter, I love you. I think you're fantastic. You're amazing. You don't have to have done anything. You've never fasted. You've, maybe you've never prayed, but I love you. You're amazing. And I want to bless you. And I want to, I, I want to be in your life. That's before we ever fast or before we ever pray. Amen? It comes before. And then the third thing is that look at Jesus' response to Satan. Man doesn't live by bread alone. You see, bread, food, is one of the things that God uses to sustain us. There's lots of things. There's lots of blessings that God gives to us to sustain us and to keep us going and to look after us in that way. And I think part of our problem sometimes, particularly in the comfortable West, is that we have so many of those things that we're just very relaxed and comfortable. And actually what you're doing in fasting is we're saying, actually what we recognize is that all those good things, they come from God ultimately. I'm not really dependent on them. Physically, yes. But what I'm really dependent on God is you. That's what you're saying in fasting. You're saying, I give up this for a bit because I recognize that's not really the source for me. That's not really where I'm getting good stuff from. God, it's really from you. So as we set aside good things that God gives to us, we're saying, God, I recognize deep within that I'm dependent on you. I recognize deep within that it really, goodness in my life comes from you. It's a declaration of that. Amen? Which is why it's great to set aside things that bless us and give us comfort, but they're dangerous because we can put our hope and our security in those things. And if we don't have them, we're suddenly wobbled. But actually, God says, I want to be your source. I want to be the one who sustains you and provides for you. Come to me. Amen? So it's a different kind of fasting. The other way in which it's a different kind of fasting, and I don't really have a lot of time on this, but just want to say, it's about joy rather than sadness. 
Because we've seen something of this new kingdom that is coming. And so just as Jesus fasts at the beginning of his ministry, what's the next thing that he does very soon after that? His first miracle, his first sign of who he is, is kind of the opposite in our heads. He goes and changes 150 gallons of water into nice wine at a party, for goodness sake. That's the first declaration of what his kingdom is like. Amen? Because it's a kingdom of goodness and of celebration, of shalom. In Jesus' coming, there is hope, finally, for the world. And the future that we look forward to is lavish, and it doesn't have crying, and it's absolute provision, and ultimately it is a wedding feast. Amen? It's not fasting, it's a feast. But right now we're saying, God, this kingdom has broken in, but it's not fully here yet. Excuse me. And one of the responsibilities of the people of God who have seen something and tasted a little bit of this new kingdom is to say, God, won't you cause your kingdom to break in more? That it might be seen amongst us, that this thing that we've seen in the future that we are longing for, this future wedding celebration that will be incredible that we've been invited into by grace. Lord, won't we see more of that amongst us and flowing out from your people so that the world around sees something of this incredible kingdom too? Amen? So it's not about sadness and mourning and tearing our garments or whatever they used to do in the Old Testament. It's about saying we've glimpsed something of a new kingdom and we were hungry for more of that. And that is what this week is about. That is what this week 24-7 is about. And if you're not yet involved, can I, can I urge you to be involved? Because this is a significant moment for us, I believe. And you know, uh, as we've seen through the Bible and through history, it's a significant moments that the people of God pray and fast and God comes. And God does something that only he can do. So I'd love to encourage us right now at the beginning of this week, as the other regions beyond churches are praying for us, that we would hunger and, uh, yes, fast, but particularly hunger after more of God and his kingdom this week. As we gather, whatever you're going to do, even if you don't come to the prayer room, Please come to the prayer room. Sorry, Callum, you must come. But even if you pray at home, let's, as a body, join together and hunger for more of God's kingdom amongst us. That's the only thing, ultimately, that's going to make the difference. We can't do it. Have you realized that? I think that's one of the things that God's been doing with us as a church over the last year. It's just showing us, actually, our weakness, our brokenness, that actually there's nothing we can achieve. But what he wants is us dependent on him. Say, God, we long for more of your kingdom. We long for more signs that you are amongst us, that the world would see who you are. And it is a significant moment. When Steve was here a couple of weeks ago, Steve Oliver, who leads our family of churches, um, he was talking about the new era that has been spoken prophetically to regions beyond. And I want us to step into that. I think this is a moment as we begin to pray. Also, um, I love what Laura did earlier about prophetic words because this is a moment, actually, I think, where we need to remind ourselves of what God has said to us. Not only about who we are in Christ, that actually he, he's lavished all goodness on us through nothing of our own deserving, but also that he's spoken words to us as individuals, but also particularly as a church to say, this is the kind of people that I want you to be. These are the kind of things that I want to do with you. And there are lots of prophetic words over this church that we need to, I think, hold before us in these days. And that'd be one of the things I hope that we can do in the prayer room is to say, God, you've said this to us. I think a couple of weeks ago when Steve was here that Colin um, read out a, a particular prophetic word from a, a guy called Julian Adams who came here in 2011. And we're just saying that we're starting to see the signs of some of the specifics that he was talking about, uh, actually was saying, 
oh yeah, this is maybe starting to, we're seeing some of those examples actually that God is doing them amongst us now. Um, and so it's a time, I believe, for getting before God and saying, Lord, it's, it's nothing that we can do, but you've said this is what you want to do. Now, won't you come and do what you've said you want to do? Because <clears throat> that would be amazing and it would bless those around us and it would bless our community and it would declare who you are. By the way, I don't know about you, but I think we're in a pretty significant moment as a nation as well. And it's one of those moments where I think that, you know, our response should be we're going to pray for our nation, just as we did for Hong Kong and China. We're going to cry out to God because the only answer, actually, at moments of, uh, of key national, whatever you think about where we are as a country, as the people of God, our immediate response should be we're going to pray. And yes, let's fast as well, because we think this is a key moment for us. I don't, it doesn't matter what your views on individuals are. Let's not get too depressed about who the next prime minister is going to be. It will be who it will be. God says, the Bible says that God puts people in place. And for all sorts of reasons that we don't understand, by the way. But don't let that get you down. That's Old Testament model. What do you do at these moments? You go to God and you say, let your kingdom break in. Use this moment in our nation, God, to break in on us. Don't get depressed about it. Get on your knees before God and say, Lord, use this moment. Come on, break in again. Like they were praying in 1756. Break in again on our nation, Lord. Use this moment. Come and break in amongst us. This is what Julian Adams came back two years later in 2013. Um, and this is what he said then. He said, I, I believe that God is saying that the voice of the church is going to be heard in this town of Swindon. Amen. I believe that. I really believe that in these days, that we're living in significant days. I feel like this. Uh, no, 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 no. I don't often prophesy about hotspots, he said, but I believe there are places I think that God wants to put his finger on in the nation that will act as a significant move of God in the nation. And I believe that God wants to put his finger on this church and on this city. That where there's been a predictability, where there's been a normality, where there's been a same old, same old concerning this town, God says, I'm going to turn it around. And there's going to be some breakthroughs that are going to come. And I feel like God wants you to get ready for that in this next season. I think we're in that season. And we need to be ready for what God wants to do. Um, it's a transition season, but God is going to, be going to begin to unlock a wineskin that is going to help pour out wine across the city and release the kingdom of God wherever you go. Amen? I think it's a moment for getting before God and saying, Lord, you said this about us. We're going to take hold of it in prayer. We're going to pray, we're going to fast, we're going to get in our prayer room, we're going to do it round the clock because we're serious with you, Lord. But we want to say, will you do what you've promised us? Will you break in? There's stuff afoot in this town that people across the town are saying, we've not seen it like this before. The unity, the people getting together to hunger that God's kingdom will break in. It's new. It is a new era. And, we, and so at those moments, we get before God and we say, come on, Lord, let your kingdom break in amongst us. Amen? I don't know how many of you have um, read uh, Dirty Glory yet. We keep going on about it. Fantastic book by Pete Gregg. Um, if you haven't got it, get it. I think there'll be copies in the prayer room this week, actually. Rebecca was just saying to me before the meeting, actually, that uh, if you're not a reader, then there's a great series of um, videos on YouTube, which is Pete Gregg uh, basically talking through his book, How to Pray. So if you want a series of videos, Pete Gregg, How to Pray, YouTube. Oh, the prayer course, it's called. Okay. But really good recommendation. Yeah, the book is How to Pray, but the, this is the prayer course on YouTube. So it, it, that might be a good resource for you as well. But in, to, in Dirty Glory, um, 
Pete Gregg talks about that, the bit in, I think it's in two Chronicles, isn't it? Where, where Solomon has just built the temple that David saw, but Solomon was meant to build. And the, the people of God get together and they pray and they call out to God and they say, won't you come now and inhabit this temple that we've built for you? And God comes back to them with a promise that goes like this. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will hear, heal their land. And that is a, that we can get in that sequence too. You see, when disasters come or when circumstances don't look so good, it's another when in the Bible. It's going to happen. There will be bad days. There will be bad times for nations. There will be uncertain times. That's a when. You can guarantee that. You, we can't escape that. But at those moments, what do we do? Well, the Bible says, if my people will pray, if we'll humble ourselves, if you'll seek my face, then I'll hear. I'll not only hear your prayers, I'll bring forgiveness. I'll bring salvation. I'll not only bring salvation, but also I'll heal your land. I'll bring a, a transformation which goes beyond the church, actually, and into society and into communities. This is one of those moments when, when things are uncertain, if my people will pray, let's get on our knees. Let's go after God. Let's do it this week. Come and get involved. Set us, pick one day this week where you're going to fast, even if you don't normally, just as a way of saying, God, I recognize I'm dependent on you. Everything good comes from you. Lord, we need more of you in our lives. Amen?